This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Have you ever wondered what it's like to bite into Nerds gummy clusters? They're fruity. They're tangy. They're gummy. And they're crunchy. Nerds Gummy Clusters, a union of fruity sweet gummy and tangy crunchy nerds. Unleash your senses. Shop now at nerdscandy.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. From BBC Science Focus magazine, this is Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Alex Hughes, staff writer at BBC Science Focus magazine. This week, we're talking about scams and how future technologies are changing how they work. I'm joined by Ollie Buckley to discuss this topic. He's a professor of cybersecurity at the University of East Anglia. He explains how deepfakes, AI, and a host of other technologies are changing the world of scams, adding in new risks and creative tricks for you to watch out for. A deepfake is something that uses an artificial intelligence algorithm to create content that looks realistic or sounds realistic. So that could be something like a video, or it could be recreating audio. They need very little training data to get them to work. And you could create something that's quite convincing with a standard kind of laptop you just buy in curries or something. Mm. And so with this kind of technology, it could be replicating someone's face, someone's voice. It's a variety of things. Yeah, absolutely. So deep fakes kind of hit the news and, and gain prominence on the video side. So things like taking an actor's face and putting it somewhere else. As with most evolutions in technology, this took kind of a, uh, a slightly seedy route to begin with, um, you know, putting a- actors' faces into porn or something like that. And that, but sitting alongside that is this idea of an audio deepfake as well, where you can use AI to mimic someone's voice to a really good standard with, again, very little effort and data. Hmm. And so for um, to create this kind of technology, what they're doing is, I assume in the context of it, taking... Uh, large amounts of video or audio, which is why you tend tend to see deepfakes that are celebrities or people that have lots of footage of themselves out there. Absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely right. So a lot of the stuff that we see is based on on data that's out there. So as you, you rightly said, that celebrities 
have a lot of stuff out there to, so you can get a movie or a podcast or whatever of, of someone's image or their voice and create quite a convincing deep fake pretty widely shared one in 2022 of um ukrainian president zelensky telling ukrainians to lay down arms and again that, that was uh footage taken data taken to create this fake version of him giving this message if you actually look at the video it's not that convincing you can see um the movements don't look quite natural the intonations don't look quite there so it wasn't it wasn't the best version, but you could do it much better. But as we all live our lives online now, you can get data about someone quite easily. So um, I don't know, one of my students could download one of my lectures and that's more than enough content to recreate my voice, I would guess. So um, a couple of companies report that you can create something that's about 80 to 90% convincing um, with about three to 10 seconds of audio. So it's, it's not loads of stuff that you need to create something that's convincing. And so that that can be really it can be really quite powerful. And if we step beyond just the, the technical accuracy, if you start to pull on people's emotions and add time pressure and make things a little more um, stressful and chaotic, then that can be a lot more convincing to people. So whether it's I guess AI, deep fakes, any of this kind of technology, how do they actually work at their core? So a lot of these technologies work with something called a neural network. A neural network is an AI algorithm, an AI approach that tries to imitate the way that our brains work to solve problems. It's a really powerful tool. It learns patterns in data. So um, let's think a really uh, simple example. You're trying to teach a computer how to recognize different fruits. You might show it lots of pictures of apples, of oranges, of bananas. And the, the neural network is like a virtual brain with interconnected neurons. Each neuron takes a piece of piece of the picture so an ele- a feature uh, something about the fruit and the way it looks and uses that to classify it so we might take um the color and the shape and the size of each fruit and very broadly speaking a neural network is split into different layers an input layer which where you take in the data and then lots of interconnected uh, nodes that work on different features of, of what we're looking at so in the case of our fruit example the first layer might look at the color and then the second layer might combine the color with the shape and then the following layer might combine everything together to try and guess what it is and then we have an output layer which says i think the fruit that you show me is an apple or an orange and the way that these work is they the more data that you can train them with the more data you can feed them the better they get at identifying things so um it is really like it's like teaching a, a toddler how to recognize shapes or recognize fruits or cats or dogs or different animals and so that's how a neural network network works under the hood that's what they're they're looking at deep fakes and some of this ai technology use something called a gan a generative adversarial network and this is a special kind of neural network that is made up of two parts we have the the generator and the discriminator and these are two algorithms that are working that are competing or two halves of the same algorithm that were competing against each other trying to beat each other. So the generator creates some data and the discriminator is trying to see if it's false. So let's say we are taking a deep fake. We're trying to create a, an image of someone that doing something they hadn't done. The generator would start out creating some random data. The discriminator would say, no, that's absolutely not correct. There's a 0% probability of that being the real image. And it feeds this back. The generator tries again and tries to improve its image to get something that's going to beat the discriminator, it's going to beat the, the person who's the algorithm that's checking what it's doing. And they bounce back and forth lots and lots and lots of times. 
until the generator, the thing that's creating the, the fake data, creating the images in this case, is able to beat the discriminator until it's able to fool it into thinking that it's real. And that's how we get our output at the end. So it's these two bits working together against each other, if you like, to try and convince the discriminator, the thing that's trying to identify if it's real or fake. When it can trick that, then that's our image. That's where we get things like deep fakes or uh, ChatGPT or Dali AI, Dali AI can creating images or something like um, the website, this person does not exist, which creates images of, of faces that don't exist. And say someone manages to get enough footage or audio of you, how could this technology be used in uh, the context of uh, scams? Yes, yeah, so we're seeing, or we have been seeing for quite a while now, um, deep fakes being used to create disinformation and misinformation. So we're making people say things they wouldn't say. We're making people do things they wouldn't normally do. And that in itself is quite powerful. That's quite a powerful scam that we're putting stuff out into the world that, that didn't actually happen. But there's also this idea of we've seen a rise of AI scams, uh, voice scams, where someone will receive a phone call or even a video call, as we're starting to see now, um, and it's a loved one saying that they're in trouble, that they've been in a car accident or that they've been kidnapped and they need money urgently to pay the ransom or to bail them out of jail or to do something. And these uh, are just pulled from data that's available on the internet, I would guess. They don't have to be 100% accurate because if you imagine as a parent or a partner that you get a phone call out of the blue and your loved one is on the other end saying, I'm in real trouble, I need some help, it's, it's quite a desperate situation, then you'll panic and you'll start to overlook those inconsistencies and you will it becomes that much more immersive and believable. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! And you mentioned a little bit there about the uh, things that might seem off about it or you know, the things that your maybe your child wouldn't say or that your loved one might not do. What can people do to prevent these kind of uh, issues or deal with uh, this when they're in one of these calls? Is it a case of just don't panic and look for in, uh, inaccuracies? Or Yeah, it, it's really easy to say sat here and thinking about it with the, kind of the cold light of day, but it is about being that bit critical. So yeah, does it sound like them? Is it something they'd say? There are pieces of software that you can use to detect if they're fake, but the chances of having one of those to hand are, are pretty slim. So it is about thinking yeah thinking objectively thinking critically so in the case of deep fakes that we might see of for example the um Zelensky's example of him telling the ukrainians to lay down arms that doesn't seem particularly uh, realistic and it certainly doesn't seem like something that just be put out on youtube in the middle of the day similarly if you receive a call from a loved one that you're not expecting you can call them back you can text them to check where they are you can um yeah it's about thinking 
it's, yeah, it's really difficult to say. Actually, you take that step back, and you think, would this really happen? And and you do some kind of checking, I guess. And obviously, as we've mentioned, these kind of scams are using your voice or images of you to uh, recreate realistic versions. I've got loads of audio of my voice out there yeah, and lots of video of me out there. Is there anything people can do to reduce their risk of being targeted or is it a little <laughs> bit too late for that? It's tough. The, the genie's kind of out of the bottle in that we do live our lives quite publicly now. Um, particularly uh, COVID as well saw this, this sense of... Um, online community growing as we were kind of physically separated from each other there was a, a shift towards um, living our lives online to a degree and maintaining those friendships and those relationships and that public persona um, on the internet and so yeah there's there's tons of photos there's videos there's audio out there of, of me of lots of people um to try and get that back would be really difficult you could completely erase yourself online and remove your digital footprint but that's going to be that's a that's a big ask um we do have the legislation with the right to be forgotten and all of the stuff. You can ask Google to remove you from search image, uh, search results. But yeah, um, it, it's about, I, I don't think there's much we could do to prevent this from happening unless you go and remove your entire digital footprint. It's about people being objective when they do come up against this kind of stuff. So uh, hopefully take the example of my students, if they were to go through and take one of my recorded lectures and use that to create a deep fake, hopefully my loved ones would know that I wouldn't say some of the things that might be putting them <laughs> through a deep fake, but who knows? And we're talking about this in the sense of it being quite widely used. Is this um, a, a technology that anyone could create or does it take, I guess, someone with a higher technical ability and more money that could be doing realistic deep fakes? Sadly, no. Sadly, it's... Um, it, you could do the, the pieces of software that you could go and you could download now and it'd be pretty convincing. Um, you need, um, it's seconds rather than minutes or hours of data to create an audio, um, an audio fake, deep fake. Um, and anyone with a bit of time and YouTube could figure out how to do it and create one of these, uh, that would look reasonably convincing. Um, yeah. So it, it's, um, it's one of the kind of the benefits and the curses of the, the kind of AI boom that we're seeing at the moment that, there's this amazing technology that we've would seem, I don't know, 10 years ago, it would seem science fiction to have a piece of software on the internet that can have a realistic conversation with you or can create an image from just a, a small text prompt, something like um, Midjourney or Dali AI. And that's great. But then there's always kind of the flip side to how this technology is deployed, I guess. And as we're talking about this, we're mentioning it in... I guess uh, the focus is very much voice and it's video. Those are the two things that the technology has advanced the most on. But as you mentioned, their AI is developing rapidly. Is there, I guess, this chance of deepfakes moving into images being sent to you, being yeah. video calls, you know, more advanced versions of this? Absolutely. So there have been recorded instances of video calls um, where it looks like somebody else. So you can have this kind of FaceTime type call. Sorry, I got stuck on I thought it was Skype for a minute then, which is quite <laughs> odd. Um, but we've seen this with images as well. So uh, earlier this year, there was some images put out about the Pentagon being under attack that were posted on um, Twitter. They came from users that were verified with the blue check um, and showing photographs of smoke and debris around the Pentagon. And then these these pictures were picked up and amplified by new sites with the gold tick, with the, the new paid for verified tick. Um, and yeah, so these were turned out to be AI generated images, but 
they got picked up and then it kind of snowballed into this thing that got picked up by uh, i think a russian news station in the end i think it was rt in russia um detailing about an explosion near the pentagon and then at the white house so we've already at the stage where we're seeing images like this and um i'm sure some of your listeners have tried things like dali ai where you can give it a prompt and it will do you a picture in any number of styles of pretty much anything you can think of and i've i've I mean, with all of these things, AI, uh, deepfakes, everything, I've, it's like, like you were saying earlier, you can't just go about it and say, you know, oh, it's easy in the moment. It, it's, it's difficult when you're actually in that situation. But is it a case of just stepping back and, I guess, trying to address things with as much logic as you can? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so deepfake videos are a, an interesting example of, of the technology that you can use to spot them. So when they first came out, they were quite easy to spot. There were things like blinking was something that was really hard to get right because the way that the the deepfake would, would it either wouldn't blink or it would blink in quite an, a weird way. So as that was used as a detection method, then the people writing the deepfake, deepfake algorithms would then, uh, they improved that. And so it kind of became this arm race, arms race of the algorithm developers and the people writing detection software had this yeah a, a race to see who could do what and so i think we are kind of beyond the point of technology now and it is all about that objectivity and that humans doing what they're good at so the computers are great at creating this automated content and doing working with vast amounts of data and making it into something tangible and, and coherent and then the role for humans alongside ai is to think critically is to think objectively to think would this really happen and so yeah i think that's that's one of the the big areas where we can we can take that control is is thinking objectively. So we've been talking mostly um, on the topic of deepfakes. I guess that's probably the most prolific version of what um, the scam has become. Yeah. Are there any other forms of, I guess you'd call it advanced technology that could be used to create scams and that are being used in that context? Yeah, there's a few. There's a really interesting idea um, called facial morphing. So that's a task of creating an image. It's where you take, say, an image of two individuals and you morphing and fully transform one face into another face. But if you stop the process midway through, then you get this, this idea of a morph, which is a non-existent person that resembles both of the people you were trying to create in the first place. So there's stuff online where you can go and create a morph of what it would look like if you crossed two of your favorite actors, for example. But this is also something that's being used to create uh, ID documents that look realistic. So you could register a face on a passport that would you could pass two people for that face. If you, so, because you've morphed the two faces together, then it's taking the the facial landmarks, so the eyes, the nose, the mouth, and where they are, and the, the key geometry of the face, and blending them together. So there have been cases where a group of activists merged together a photo of a high-ranking EU politician and a member of their group, and they created that and obtained a German passport, which could have passed for both of the people. So that's a really, maybe calls the wrong word, but it's a really cool use of the technology that you can create these images that can fool the systems that are checking these these ID documents. And that's, I mean, that's obviously quite advanced, and it's in the sense of um, it's not being used so much to scam people, but it is kind of a sign of where the technology is going uh, for that risk of uh, the average person being caught out on things. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 
one of the things that they found, what researchers found with looking at facial morphing is that humans aren't very good at spotting them. Um, they're not great at identifying them. And it, the kind of it, it, the, the results that you, you see on those experiments are kind of 50-50. So it's as good as random guessing as to whether it is one person or the other. So the answer to that is um, technologies to try and identify them. But yeah, it, it's uh, I, I think the technology is really interesting at the moment. It's providing so many opportunities and developing so many things that would have seemed, again, like science fi- fiction only kind of five, 10 years ago. And it's having it's changing the way that we think and the way that we we have to work. And I'm I'm curious um, what you see as being, I guess the the most common sort of scams these days. What's the ones that are becoming prolific and the ones that everyone seems to be pulling out the bag? Um, they're, they're variations on a theme. They're all variations on classic scams, if you like. So it's I'm sure again. I've had many of them. You might have, and your your listeners might as well. That you have the phone call from someone saying your machine, your computer at home has been compromised, and you need to log in and give them rights to this to try and fix it. And it's they say they're from Microsoft, or they say they're from BT, or they say they're from some other name that you would trust. And it's the scams are all just playing on um, our own innate fears. They're adding time pressure. They're adding stress. They're making it seem. They're aiming to short circuit that rational part of the brain. So we go into panic mode, we go into fight or flight, and we have to make a quick decision. And the scams that we're seeing now, so whether it's a a phone call that comes from a a faked voice using AI saying your partner's been in a car accident, or whether it's a video of a famous politician saying something they didn't say, or a celebrity in a compromising position, they're all about kind of tweaking that bit in our brain that makes us panic and makes us think there could be something really wrong so it's less it's it's less about the technology really it's about the psychology of what it's manipulating yeah as a computer scientist i (laughs) yeah i i I do think i genuinely think uh, and the work that i do at the moment that human bit is the bit that's going to be really interesting um the technology is evolving so rapidly now and if we look at at the start of the year when ChatGPT launched to where we are now, there's several versions of ChatGPT. The answers it gives you are so much better. It's so much more convincing. And so it's going to be our role in that. It's going to be how humans interact with that kind of technology and how we we let the computers do what they're very good at, which is processing lots and lots of data very quickly. And then humans doing the bit that they're really good at, which is that logical objective thinking and that that creativity i guess so with the rate that technology moves i mean we're talking about right now that in the last year ai has just gone leaps and bounds above what anyone would have thought yeah there's likely to be i guess a whole whole host of new scams in the not too distant future what do you think is like the future of that do you think it's the going down this sort of route of face morphing or is it just that no one's really going to be able to see where this goes I think that's a really tough one to predict. I think that we've seen a huge rise in, well, uh, disinformation and misinformation have been a real hot topic in the last, I don't know, uh, where are we now, seven, eight years. And it's something that I think is going to accelerate with with this, where we you can't necessarily take the fact that something exists as a video or as an audio recording to be, it definitely happened. There are technical methods to kind of, to look at that and to see if they've been created synthetically but yeah i th- i think that I, I just really see that area of 
you not being able to just believe your eyes with the first thing that you see and having to think a bit more widely about it. I, I think that kind of misinformation, disinformation, blurring reality and fiction is going to be the big the big issue. And for the most part of I guess the scams we're talking about here, it's a case of preying on uh, someone's fear and the more psychological effect on that side. But, you know, in the past couple of years, scams across all areas have kind of just really attached themselves to technology. There's there's the famous, you know, Tinder swindler story. There's these fake NFTs, cryptocurrencies, you know, it's all these things that made headlines for themselves. But that's more about giving you an opportunity for success. Um, yeah. Do you think that's where, when you get into that world, is it just a case of if it's too good to be true? Yeah. Uh, again, it, it's um, we are all very well aware of email scams now. So we're all aware of uh, getting that email and saying that someone has tens of millions of dollars in their bank account and they need $500 from you to release that and you'll get a million dollars. Um and again, this is just a variation on that. It, it's promising you something something big for a very small investment. It's an offer that's too good to be true. And it's it's the same thing in The Emperor's New Clothes. It's just a, fa- a fancier version. It's something that's more convincing, that's more immersive. But at its heart, scams are, are still the same kind of thing. They still play on the same um, innate human desires, whether it be to find a partner, in the case of the, twin, the Tinder one, or whether it's to make some money, which is quite appealing to everyone at the moment. It, it's, um, yeah, I, I think they're still appealing to the same um, root causes. It's just the delivery method is slightly fancier now. So we, we've we been speaking mostly about the, I guess, the individual's ability to reduce their risk when it comes to fraud. But is there any any sort of improvement from, I guess, a software perspective as AI rapidly improves, could that be used in fraud prevention in a different kind of way to what we see now? Yeah, I, there there are technologies that you can deploy to see if something has been deep faked. You can look to see if an image has been, or audio has been created synthetically. And so, uh, but there's also, I don't, it's a tough one. Um, the technology is, outpacing the way that we can think about it and the way that we legislate for it. So I think we're kind of waiting for everything to catch up. So there's a huge push at the moment to talk about how we manage AI and what, how it how it's leveraged in the future. And I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation that evolves over the next couple of years. So it's basically once it passes a test of this is believable enough. Yes, absolutely. And it could be millions of iterations between the first random data that sends in and the final image, just bouncing back and forth rapidly to try and get that. And the success of that is based on the amount of training data that's available. So the amount of data that you can feed into these algorithms to say, this is what a face looks like, or uh, this is what a picture of a horse looks like. And the, the more data you give it, the better it's going to be at fooling those algorithms. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius. That was Ollie Buckley talking about the future of scams. The Instant Genius podcast is brought to you by the team behind BBC Science Focus magazine, which you can find on sale now in supermarkets and newsagents, as well as on your preferred app store. Alternatively, you can come and find us online at sciencefocus.com.